Praise the Lord. Let's just raise our hands before the Lord. And Lord, we humble ourselves this morning under your mighty hand. We come into agreement with you. So all the Lord is asking of his people is to come into agreement with him. And we, we release our faith, Lord, this morning. Say faith. We release our faith. And Lord, we are in unity. And Lord, we just jump in that prophetic river of the Holy Spirit right now. We welcome the gift of prophecy here this morning. May it just land on us, Lord. May that mantle, that grace from heaven just rest now on your people this morning. May we soar in the prophetic, Lord, like eagles this morning. I want to break off the people of God. Any discouragement in Jesus' name. Any exhaustion and burnout in Jesus' name. Any doubt, fear and unbelief. We just break off you in Jesus' name. Any religiosity or legalism or untruths want to break off you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, may only your words come out this morning. May only grace and truth come out. May your Spirit guide us into all truth. Teach us all things. We welcome the kingdom to come right now. I just want you to be childlike right now, not childish. There's a difference between childlike and childish. Child, just receive. Get refreshed now. Put your hand on your belly. Just, just drink those rivers of living water. Just drink them in by faith. Just come, Holy Spirit. Fill your people afresh. I don't like bringing a word unless I am inebriated in the Holy Spirit. Because the flesh profits nothing. But His words are spirit and life. I can't do anything in the natural. So we welcome the supernatural right now. We welcome an open heaven. It is unseen, but heaven can open and it can be shut. We just believe you now for an open heaven, Lord. And everything that is unseen in the kingdom, we pull down into the scene this morning by faith. We welcome every gift work and ministry of the Holy Spirit right now July the 2nd 2022 he's as real as he was on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit as real as he was in Genesis 1-1 when he brooded over the chaos and we speak this morning of peace and shalom to America I want to encourage you I really believe God is going to land America safely and well. I really believe that. I just do. I feel the Lord has shown me that, and I feel the Lord has shown others that. I, I just feel that the Lord is going to land America safely. We welcome angels, angelic activity this morning. Just take a drink, get refreshed. Everything of the week, may it just come off us. Just anything we've been slimed with, come off us in Jesus' name. Just get refreshed. 
Take a big drink. Be anxious for nothing. Anyone anxious about anything right now? Any anxiety in the house? Paul said, I think he was in prison when he wrote this, be anxious for nothing. I just want to encourage you. But in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. God. So just receive that peace right now that passes understanding. If you read in the Amplified, it, where it says God, it will mount garrison over your heart and mind. It's a protective peace of the Lord. And we speak that over a Mary. Lord, division right now. Left and right. It's the middle ground seems to be disappearing. But we speak peace over the United States. Peace and shalom. And may a spirit of revival blow in and restore the nation to God. You can take a seat. But just we just welcome the brooding Holy Spirit. I just want to pass this to Michael. Praise the Lord. You know, I want to, um, Pastor Bonnie wanted me to build a bit on Ken's message from last week about building an altar. And in the area of tithes and offers, and over 31 years, I've had a tremendous grace in the area of tithing and offering and giving. I wanted to, when we get, what's the, you know, the Lord is very practical. He's very supernatural. But the Lord is very, very practical. And the supernatural often outworks into the practical. So when we get up in the morning, I have this really irritating alarm clock with these birds singing. It's, I've searched through the tunes, but it's kind of the best one amongst the tunes and it, sometimes we have the windows and so I don't know if it's the real birds or the alarm clock but it gets quite loud and it it wakes me up and um, when we get up and what does it mean practically when we get up in 2022 in Charlotte in our families in our jobs in our culture in our street what does it mean to build an altar to God practically what does that mean and I like simple things. Things get complicated, I get bored. I like simple things. And all I believe the Lord is calling us to do is be in agreement with Him. Don't deny the power and importance of agreeing with God on a daily basis in our culture today. Agreeing with God in our culture today is more costly than it was agreeing with God in our culture 10 years ago. Even five years ago. And it says this in Micah. It's a well-known scripture, but it's one of my favorites. And it's Micah 6.8. And it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? That is the call. We want to build an altar a place of sacrifice before God. Put sonship aside right now. Creator, creation, God is calling us to agree with him. That is the call of the day. 
And when the potter is shaping the piece of pottery, the potter is not resisting what the potter is doing. And I want to encourage you that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And when the new believers were coming to the Lord in the book of Acts, and the elders wrote a letter to them, it is amazing. You would think, well, they're going to write all these 20, 30 things. Do this, do this, do this, do that, do that. They just wrote a few simple guidelines of what those new believers should do. They kept it really, really simple. May we not lay burdens on other believers that, we, that they don't have grace for. I might have grace for something. It's not right for me to try and lay that same burden on other believers. They might not be there yet. We're great at getting grace and a breakthrough, and immediately we think everyone else should be there, but they just might not be there yet. So I'm going to share on building an altar in terms of tithes and offers this morning, but there's no harshness from me that you should be at where I'm at. Because the Lord has worked on me for 31 years in this area. And my prayer this morning is, thank God for manifestations, people falling over and electricity. and Whatever manifestation the Holy Spirit brings, wonderful, but... This is foundations. The call is the Spirit of God doing a work in the heart of the church to change us. If there's manifestation and no transformation, I'm questioning if that is really of the Lord. Go ahead. I like that. I'm going to go ahead. Thank you for that bit of feedback over there. So my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us as the helper and he changes hearts, and he changes the inner man, because it's from glory to glory through the Holy Spirit is where the Spirit of the Lord brings freedom. That transformation in the church and in a nation is only from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say, when we come together corporately, expect God this morning. There is nothing impossible this morning when we're corporately together, and the presence of the Lord is here. Amen? Be encouraged. God honors the fact that you could be doing all sorts of other things this morning. But faith is outworked indeed, and you've made an effort to come and be in the house of God. So I pray the Lord would mightily bless you today. I want to build this word, and I'm going to say this in a very old-fashioned way. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. That might be in a good old physical Bible, or it might be on a smartphone these days. Um, but turn with me in the book of the Philippians. Isn't it amazing? You know, what? sometimes we think of signs and wonders and miracles of healings and deliverances and all sorts of stuff. Do you know, if I read my history right, William Tyndale was burned at the stake in the 1500s in England for converting the Bible from Latin to English. And these days, we, we miss sometimes some of the great miracles. We have every version of the Bible in this, in these days. Isn't that an astounding miracle of our times? If Tyndale, well, I mean, he's in the great cloud of witnesses, but I mean, what would he think of this? They burned him to death for getting the Bible into English out of Latin, and here we are. So we want to thank God. I did get rid of my smartphone six months ago, so I can actually get to the Bible now. I got rid of my flip phone, sorry. I can actually get to my Bible now, praise God. So Philippians, I want to lay a foundation for building an altar to the Lord. Identity. Say identity. We have an identity crisis in America right now. 
especially amongst our young people. Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul is saying to all the saints in Christ Jesus. So no matter what issues are going on in the church, he did this with the Corinthian church, he did this with all the churches he wrote to, he always brings grace and strength and encouragement first before any correction. That is our Father in heaven. If you read Jesus' letters in the book of Revelation, he always brought encouragement about everything you're doing well. But I have this against you. So the Lord is always, always, always going to bring encouragement to us first. Strength and encouragement. And then he'll deal with any messy stuff after, okay? This is God the Father. This is Paul the Apostle. That's how we saw Jesus write in the book of Revelation. So he says to all the saints in Christ Jesus, if we're going to get up and agree with God every day, we've got to know who we are first. Because agreeing with God comes out of who we are and what he's already done. We're not trying to earn anything. You can't earn being a saint. Now, I love the Catholics, but they seem strong on making people saints. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Not always good with doctrine. We're already saints. You're a saint. Do you know you're a saint? I'm not talking about the 1960s England show with uh, Roger Moore in Simon Templer. He was a police officer. They called him the saint. With a, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. Google it. Google it. You'll, have, you'll be able to see it. Ron knows. That was before he was James Bond. He was my favorite James Bond, actually, Roger Moore. Reminds me of myself a little bit, you know. Um, but he says, um, to the saints in Christ Jesus. So we become the righteousness of God. That's in Corinthians. So we want to build an altar, which is practically walk with God in the 21st century, in America, in our culture, which has gone rather off right now. We've got to know we're a saint. When you get up in the morning, no matter where we fail and fall, we all have our faults and failings. If all our hearts and minds were put up on the, mo- on the screen this morning, it would be a horror show. You said right. Someone knows, yeah. I'm <laughs> That's all right. So we're saints in Christ Jesus. Foundation number one. We've become the righteousness of God. Be encouraged. You're not earning anything. You'll never be more acceptable to God than the day you got born again. You can always get closer to God, but you'll never be more acceptable to God. When my boys got born, they were my boys. Eight and five years down the line, they're still my boys. I accept them just the same now as I did then. Hopefully they've grown up a bit and I have to correct them, but that's being a father, right? Same with Father in heaven. Then Paul says, verse 2, Philippians 1, grace to you. Look at the encouragement from the apostle. He's not beating them over the head. Well, you should be praying more. You should be fasting more. You should be giving more. You should be doing this and that. Stop moaning and complaining and being divided. He's bringing encouragement first. So he says, verse 2, grace to you. All nations church, grace to you. And peace. So we've got saints in Christ Jesus, foundation one. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Foundation two. This is before he's encouraging them, correcting them, teaching them, exhorting them. He's laying a foundation. This is what apostles do. This is what prophets do. It's what pastors, evangelists, and teachers do. They lay foundations. You get the right root, you're going to get good fruit. Then Paul says, verse 3, I thank my God on remembrance of you. If you're struggling with anyone, start thanking God for them. Think of anyone you're struggling with right now. Start thanking God for them. It's a great antidote. Now, the context. I want to address a context that is often taught 
on verses 5 and 6. This stream was, this, this flow was with me about three months ago, and I wanted to revisit it on, Pastor Bonnie wanted me to share this. So, Paul is talking about giving here. I wanted, this is about giving. Verse 5. He says, I always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The context of this is the Philippian church giving finances and practical resources to fund Paul's ministry. That is the context. In the Amplified, it says this. It says, thanking God for your participation and partnership, both your comforting fellowship and gracious contributions. This is very practical from Paul. In advancing the good news regarding salvation from the first day you heard it until now. So Paul is getting into the context that the Philippian church were growing and flourishing in the area of giving and generosity. I believe this is a word for ANC right now. And in verse 6, I want to address the context. This is a specific context in verse 6. Paul says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, Philippian church, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, That scripture is often taught and quoted in a very general context that God is doing a work in the heart of people, in the heart of the church. And that's not wrong. It's not error. But there is a specific context when Paul is talking about the good work. He is talking about the Holy Spirit doing a work in the heart of the church in the area of giving and finances and generosity and resource to fund the gospel. It is a specific context. And I just want to ask that the Holy Spirit would blow in this morning. In an economically getting challenging out there, we're seeing inflation. Families having to choose between gas and food right now. This is very real. In this season, may the Lord blow in and do it. Put your hand on your heart right now. I just want to pray the Holy Spirit in the glory of the presence of the Lord, that changes people through preaching and teaching with the Holy Spirit on it. There's no harshness or legalism or religion that you have to do this and you have to do that. It's the Holy Spirit doing a work here. He puts a good root in here and then he gets good fruit. You see a healthy apple tree or an orange tree with a good root, you don't see it straining and striving. Ah, I've got to get that apple out and get that orange out and get. There's just this, there's just this ease. It just bears fruit because it's got a good root. If you're here this morning, you feel I don't have a good root. I don't have good foundations. That can change. Repentance, faith in the Lord Jesus, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. That will change you. That will get great foundations in. Acts 2.42, and then commit yourself to fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, and the apostles' doctrine. If you want to grow, get into a house, get into a church, commit to it, commit to fellowship, commit to prayer, commit to breaking bread, and commit to the apostles' doctrine. You will grow. Amen? So that is the context 
that Paul is saying, he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is a long-term thing. Now, Paul might have thought Jesus was coming back imminently. He may have done. I think they probably did, to be honest with you. But I think there's something there where Paul is saying, he who begun a good work and you complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is going to be working in us, not just in the area of giving, but he's going to be working in us right until the day of Jesus Christ. Or the day that this physical body has enough and you pass into glory and the body's gone. Philippians 2 verse 12. I want to address this because often this is quoted as a half scripture. And there's a real freedom and liberty in this scripture. And I want to read this to you. So verse 12 and 13, Paul is saying, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Paul says this, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, sometimes that scripture is half preached. Preacher gets up and says, Hey, church, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, go home and come back next week. Tell me how you did. It's half a scripture. People can say, Well, look at the early church. They had the fear of the Lord in it, and we should too. We're absolutely right. A.W. Tozer, wonderful Bible teacher in the 60s, talked about teaching of scripture like the flying of a bird. You have to have both wings. You have to have balance and symmetry when you are teaching and bringing Scripture. Because I could, you know, we get them and say, well, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but you've got to preach verse 13 as well as verse 12. And Paul is saying, yeah, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but this is how and why you can do it, because God is working in you. This is New Testament. This is New Covenant. This is the gospel that Paul was obsessed with, a legalistic, perfect living Jew who got knocked off his high horse by Jesus. And made people start getting knocked off their high horses in America for crying out loud. Come Holy Spirit and start knocking people off their high horses and revealing Jesus. So yeah, we've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's one part. That's one wing of a bird. The other wing is because God is working in you. God doesn't expect anything out of us that's not what he's not putting in us. This is grace. This is New Testament. This is not legalism. This is living for God because God is living in us. You can't live for God until you're filled with God. That's freedom. That's liberating. That's the message for our young people. There's good news. God comes to live in you and he clears out all the other junk. It's a process. He'll get the soul, the inner person clean. I've been walking with God for 31 years. He's still pulling junk out of me all the time for crying out loud. We're in the process of being restored. And there might be a few demons to kick out as well, and that's okay. They get in there. They get hooks in there. They've got to be cast out, broken, get the house filled with the Holy Spirit so they don't come back. So Paul is saying, yeah, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians, but it is God who is working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. This is vine and branch that Jesus talked about. Abide in the vine, you are the branch. There's a divine flow. 
That's why we talk about getting filled with the Holy Spirit, get strengthened, because we've got to be filled with that life. When I get up on a Monday morning, and I've got to go to work, and I've got to raise a family, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, I've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And our culture, it's everywhere. We've got to be filled. We went to a, it's a great place, Pitts Mechanical, I think it's called, in Charlotte. Yes, you can play these old 80s retro video games and all this different stuff, but it's everywhere, pride this and pride that. It's just right in the culture, rainbow flags all over the place. It's here, guys. It's here right now. We've got to be filled in this culture. We've got to be as bold as lions, shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves, shrewd as serpents. We've got to walk and talk wise in all our ways in these times. We've really got to walk and talk wise right now. Daniel, I'm not going to, one day I'd love to preach a message on the book of Daniel because they were young men anointed and empowered and supernatural implanted right into a godless culture and government. That is such a word for our times right now. Just your countenance is different. I got a friend, he, he was a right rebel and the Lord zapped him when he was about 33. But before he came to the Lord, I think he was mixing with Christians, something we you know, he was on his way and hanging out with Christians. But he said, before I was a Christian, I could always pick a Christian out of a crowd because of their countenance and their eyes. Because the window of the soul is the eyes. You can tell a lot about persons. Well, I was trying to look at people in the eyes, see what's going on. No, I don't want to be judgmental, but I, I like to look at people in the eyes. Some people are like, oh, I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, the eyes are important because... What's really in someone, you can really tell through the eyes, you know. And Ryan Arbonke, wonderful minister, went to be with the Lord. He used to tell a story like, <laughs> I think it's all about deliverance and a demon got cast out and then the demon tried to come back in or something and then, you know, would knock on the door and, you know, Jesus answers the doors. Or someone said to Bonky, I see Jesus in your eyes. And he said, well, he likes to come and look out the window sometimes. You know, I want to encourage you, you know. I was going to do his German accent, but I can't, I can't take it off very well. But, praise God. So, building an altar, sacrificing to the Lord in terms of tithes and offers, and just agreeing with God on a general basis. We have foundations. You've got to know you're a saint. You're not trying to become a saint. You are a saint. You're in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote that, according to one scholar, 164 times in the New Testament. In Christ Jesus. This is identity. We need an identity transformation. We're in Christ, grace to you, peace from God our Father. Yeah, but I failed, I did this, I did that. You don't know what, all these struggles and problems. We all got struggles and issues, we all got weaknesses. But God comes and says, you're a saint. He comes and says, grace. He comes and says, peace. And then he says, work out your salvation, saints, but I'm working in you. Your outer behavior is only coming out of me living in you and working in you. This is New Testament. And people can say, well, look at the book of Acts. We're nowhere near the book of Acts. Look at the great fear of the Lord. But it says great grace was upon them all. You have to have great grace before great fear of the Lord. People can say, well, look at Ananias and Sapphira. God struck them down. I mean, the atmosphere was so charged with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. In some ways, God expects more of us. As the power and presence increases, as we're growing, I expect more of my eight and five-year-old than I do when they were two and three. And hopefully when they're 14 and 15, I expect more of them than when they're eight and five. And hopefully when they're 18 and into young men, they'll be growing up maturing. 
I can't expect my baby to start running around the block and riding a bike. There's a growth period. Be encouraged. May the Lord grow us. May the Lord mature us. May the fire come afresh. May you get drunk in the Holy Spirit. May you get filled with the Holy Spirit. May you get transformed in the glory. My words in the flesh are nothing. It's only the Holy Spirit that can change your heart. May we change in the area of tithes and offers. God says, test me. I want to encourage you, saints. Start giving. May the Holy Spirit work in your heart. May we get into regular tithes and offers. I've had times in my life where it's been easier to give. There's times where it's in the natural, I can't afford to give. When I was 27, I started a business. I had a mortgage. I gave up a pretty well-paying job in a booming housing market. And me and a friend, we started a business that had never been done before. It had never been done before, the way it was done, as far as we know. And we said, we're going to put this much money in, and we're going to run it on cash, no debt. I took a £1,000 overdraft to cover any checks coming in, because, you know, when you sell a house, it takes a little while for the check to come in from the solicitor sometimes. I thought, well, we'll carry a £1,000 overdraft, right? But I'm not taking out any debt. If this business works, it's working on cash, cash alone, no debt. And I remember getting up that first day, and I I kept tithing and offering. I'm encouraging you here, and I'm boasting in the Lord with what's in my heart. May it be imparted to you. In the natural, I could say, I've got a mortgage, I've got overheads, blah, 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 blah. We've got this much money to run the business. I've got no houses listed. I've got no sales. Nothing right now. I remember being in one church with me, and I had this money, and it was like, you know, this money, I, was, I think it was a few weeks before. It might have been when I just started the business. I thought, I'm just going to sow it. Who cares? God will work it out. And the Lord, that first year of the business, the, the amount of times I came, there's a number of times, I don't want to over-exaggerate, but there's <laughs> a danger of that as a preacher. Try and bring truth. Um, a number of times in that first year, I was about to run out of money. Two, three days, money was gone. I had no more money left. And I, I'm, I'm waiting. I got a couple of sales in, and it can take a bit of time sometimes with solicitors, and it's like four weeks, six weeks. Money's going down. A few more sales coming in. They go in the pipeline. Money's going down. Two, three days, I'm going to shut this business down. If there's no money coming in, I'm gone. I'm shutting it down. I'm off to work for someone. Then all of a sudden, I kept tithing and offering with what I had without fail. Just, re- I don't want to say, I was disciplined, regular giving. I would not stop my tithe and offer with the resource I had. Even though in the natural, you would say, I can't give anymore right now. And then out miracles, the checks would come in. Checks would come in. Money would go out. My mortgage would get paid. Bills were covered. Some more sales came in. They go in the pipeline. Six months into running a business, 9-11 hits. Ooh, everyone's freaking out. What's going to happen with the economy? I mean, quite rightly, right? What's going to happen right now? And it was a, a new, only six months into the business, I got some sales coming in and some money was coming in. We were just about living and surviving. 9-11 hits, and I just was kept just going to keep giving. I want to encourage you. If you are in a place where you feel you can't afford to give, I want to encourage you. May the Holy Spirit get you to a place where you can take a step of faith and say, now I'm into the supernatural realm of tithing and offering. If I can't give in the natural because of the numbers, I'm going to bring a tithe and offering to the house of the Lord and trust God to work it out because I've seen it for 31 years and he's never failed me once.
And I went for a season, me and my family, back in 2017. Check the time, because I do want to stay within a sensible time. Back in 2017, where I was in an industry that had boomed very well for a number of years. And then the product changed, the economy changed, and sales were going down and down and down and down and down. And we went through a much tighter time economically. And I was nearly tempted to stop tithing and offering. And twice over a period of about eight months, the Lord just said to me, just keep tithing and offering. Don't matter. Just He really encouraged me. I sat on the toilet one time. That's a great place to hear from the Lord, by the way. I would encourage you, if you need to hear from the Lord, go into your bathroom and sit on the toilet, okay? That's some very practical counsel this morning. And we only had one bathroom at the time, so that was quite a challenge, actually, but that's all right. Um, The Lord said, just keep typing. And then the Lord turned it around incredibly in, in kind of mid to late 2019. So... May the Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts because we want to build an altar in the air of tithes and offers. And I want to, the Lord might need to break something over us this morning. This might be relevant to you or online. I don't want to forget you online. Hello. 1 Timothy 6.10. Paul says, for the love of money, not money. It's okay to like money and enjoy money and it's okay. God created, I believe God created the money systems. I do. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, some translations say money is the root of all evil. I don't think that's in a correct interpretation. But the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That is a very, very straight-talking scripture. So... I had a friend, well, still a friend. He, in the 1980s, is a very success. They called them yuppies in England in the 80s. You know, the economy really boomed off in the 1980s, the time of Thatcher and Reagan. Some of you weren't born then, you know, to show my age here. But he was a yuppie and very, 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 very successful. Made a lot of money. But, and he kind of knew the Lord. I think he kinda, there was some faith there, and it had gone a bit lukewarm. And he had a love of money. And the Lord zapped him supernaturally, and took everything away from him. He had nothing. He literally sold all he had and gave it away, but on the command of the Lord. And then he had a very, very difficult few years. But let me tell you, 10, 20, 30 years on from that time, the Lord has poured it all back in, in amazing ways. And he does not forget any dime or offer you give. My boys are eight and five. When they get money, they have three jars. We have taught them. There is a give There is a give jar, a save jar, and a spend jar. You have three jars. When you get any money, the first thing you're doing is putting some money in the give jar. Now, with the type of, they give a dollar, you know, with the type of money, they are probably giving 20%. They don't know it, but they're giving like 20% just with the practicals of the notes. But let's teach our children to give and get a strong foundation right now. And God, do it. Yeah, stay with you. You train up a child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. I'm coming in for a landing here. 
I want to end with this scripture. Because this sums up building an altar and agreeing with God on a daily basis in the area of times and offers. So, Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 15, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Thank God for the Philippians. They just had some, they had a grace in their church for giving because the Lord was doing a work. And I feel this is a word for ANC. I feel this is a prophetic, live, rhema word that in a season of inflation and economic challenge, that we're going to go opposite to that. We're going to go into that headwind of an inflationary economy and we're going counter it. And we're going to bring tithes and offers and see more generosity. And get, oh, We're going into the headwind. What does that eagle do when there's a storm? From what I've read, the eagle goes towards the storm. And they learn how to ride the storm. This is a word for God's people right now. And Paul says, verse 16, For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Now Paul had seasons where he worked to earn money as an apostle. He was a tent maker. Then he had seasons, whatever, he was relying on people bringing gifts. And that's okay. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if I have full understanding. The fruit that abounds to your account. I suppose, may the Holy Spirit teach us, but as we give and tithe and offer, we literally, there's an account almost before God where he can then reap and bless. And Paul says, verse 18, For indeed I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus, whatever that name is, the things that are sent from you. Now, this is the word, building an altar. These gifts were a sweet-smelling aroma. This is where we build an altar. When you tithe an offer and sacrifice, you're building an altar. So it's more than just, here we go again, it's right out our chair. When you write out, physically give, and bring that up, you... You want to be practical about building an altar when you come up with your tithe and offer. When I do sales, right, people sign a contract and, yeah, we're coming on board and this, that, and everything. For me, business is not done until there's an exchange of money. I don't care if you signed a contract, if you said this, that, and everything. Until there's an exchange of money, I don't believe it's a done deal. When there's a passing over of money, this is an, this is an important thing. It is before God. It is in business in any transaction. So when you... And I've given tithes and offers where I've written it out and I've felt uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, I want to grab my tithe and offer envelope back because doubt, fear and unbelief's coming in. But when you give, that is building an altar to the Lord. So may the Lord elevate what we're doing. We're not just here we go again every week. And we, the longer you're in the Lord and the longer in years, we go, we go through the motions. We get familiar with it. But when you walk up, you're actually building an altar to the Lord. And Paul says this, it's a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. First foundation here, very important. Verse 18 leads into verse 19. Now, verse 19, you have to understand verse 18. Verse 19, they've just given, right? They've built an altar, they've given tithes, offers, and 
finance and what have been, you know, sometimes more practical stuff they gave. But it is a sweet-smelling aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Verse 19, and then my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, often we're quoting verse 19. That's fine. But you've got to get the context that God is going to meet all their needs out of the foundation of verse 18. They brought acceptable sacrifices first. Then the scripture's saying, and my God. You've got to bring, I'm not saying if you don't tithe an offer, I'm not saying God won't provide. I'm not saying if you don't just, if you just bring a few dollars up and put it in, that God's not going to provide. But there's something about regular discipline, tithing and offering and giving to God, building an altar, whether you do it online or doing it here, where there's a transference of money out of your account into God's house, into a practical church, that is building an altar, and then God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. You've got to get the key, put it in the door and unlock the door to be able to reap what you've sown. Let's stand up. I want to pray and just minister this morning. You know, if God, if God has our money, I think there's a pretty good chance He has our heart. And you know, in the area of money, it, it's, I've been in sales and business for years now. It, the, it's a fine line sometimes in terms of honesty and integrity and ethics. And there's times I've failed. There's a fine line of, is that true or is it a lie? by saying it to get the sale you know the sale's right there and they're asking me questions and it's like oh, if I tell them the absolute truth they might not buy or do I not say something or do I it's a fine line our new CEO was did a video call with our company on Friday she's a new CEO and she was horrified in that in a major accounting company in America last week I think it was in an ethics exam that employees were found cheating in an ethics exam. It's crazy. The company was fined $100 million from what she... I haven't checked it out. This is just what she said. She named the company. I just don't want to name it publicly. You may be going to look online. But there's something in the area of money. God wants us to help us, Lord, to have honesty and integrity in the area of money. And if there's any stronghold... We'd be more than happy to pray for you, UN, but I want us to raise our hands and I want us to give our money to God afresh. And I want to break. You know what? There is a spirit of delay and a spirit of robbery that will try and take from the people of God. But when you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, God rebukes the devourer. Tithing and offering will bust inflation. I speak that over us right now. We pray the economy would heal and repair, Lord. We pray that this inflation does not go into major, major, major hyperinflation. Lord, we stand before you own the earth and everything in it. The silver and gold is yours. You're the boss. That's my interpretation of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth is mine. My interpretation is Jesus is the boss. So we pray the economy would heal repair be restored that we wouldn't go into major depressions or problems or defaults we bless the dollar we bless the global economy in times of inflation what I hear is that it's often the poor and the neediest that get hit the most in times of inflation but I want us to lift up hands Lord we pray 
like the Philippians, we step into this word that you are beginning a good work in our church, Lord. In the area of giving and generosity. We ask for grace. Any of us are just need a breakthrough and I want to be a regular tither on offer but I just can't break through I pray right now in the atmosphere of where the Holy Spirit is the helper the one that changes and transforms the heart of people this is why the gospel is unique the gospel is unique because it's where Jesus comes into the heart of a human with a new nature and changes them from the inside out. That is the only religion in the world where that power is real. And I want to speak a word. May he do more than you can ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Come Holy Spirit. We just welcome the glory now. We welcome the presence of the Lord. We welcome the transforming power of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Put your hand on your heart. Just say after me, I welcome the transforming power of the Holy Spirit into my heart right now. Lord, we make a choice to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But it is you working in us to will and act for your good purpose. This is the gospel. It changes hearts. May it flood again across America. May those ancient doors and gates blow open across Charlotte and the Carolinas, blow into America, where God changes the hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.